I love sitting in the back and just watching y'all worship. Um, it's just, uh, I've, had, I've already been at Jesus' feet this morning, haven't y'all? I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for men and women up here who day in and day out not only sing about God on stage, but Monday through Saturday live it. And I'm so thankful for this team. Uh, so blessed. Um, just wonderful. This is the, really the highlight of my, my week is being with y'all. And uh, it's fun. Um, I want to talk about that today in a new series entitled Our House. Um, last week we talked a, a little bit about our mission, uh, One Church's Purpose. Anybody, not Poipus, <laughs> but Purpose. Um, our purpose, does anybody remember it? To lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's all say that together. Lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we're here to do. Now, the question is, how do you do it? You know, that's, that's great and everything, but how do you do that? And I'm going to share with you the next part of this. We lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ by creating environments. That's where I'm going to really land this next couple of weeks because we're describing our house, our church, and our church is set up like a house. We lead people into growing relationships with Jesus Christ by creating environments where people can pursue intimacy with God, community with insiders, and influence with outsiders. That is how we accomplish the mission, by creating environments. Um, as I mentioned, uh, we create basically the environment. We'll create three environments. First one is this. It's called a foyer environment. Everybody say foyer. Foyer environment. Foyer environment is specifically designed for guests. Uh, we create a living room environment where the guest can become friends, and we, and we create a kitchen environment where the friends can become family. Um, I want to talk about a lot of those, those three environments, but I'm really going to center today on foyer. And next week we're going to look at living room and kitchen stuff. But foyer. I don't know about you, but people that show up at my house, if they come through the front door to the foyer, they're probably guests. Because people that know me, and they'll probably come through the garage or through the back door. Only guest and the UPS guy, UPS guy comes to the front door. And um, our foyer environments are designed in such a way that we have the guests in mind. That we know that guests may show up. And that we want to train our people so that they can feel welcome. And, and, and we just welcome them. In fact, just to let you know, you're in a foyer environment right now. Our Sunday morning worship time is a four-year environment that everything that we do, we do with the guest in mind. The songs that we sing, the way that we dress, everything is, is done in such a way so that people can start changing their perceptions about the church and about God. It is done with the guest in mind. We believe that this is an open environment. That means everybody is invited. Everybody. It doesn't matter their skin color, their religious background. It doesn't matter their uh, personal preferences or choices, bad choices or good choices, that everybody is invited. Because that's what God said. For God so loved the world. That's everybody. So everybody is invited. At one church, we believe this so strongly 
that everything that we do here on Sunday morning is done with the guest in mind because this is a foyer environment. This is a foyer environment. We believe that the local church, that one church and, and churches all over the United States should be irresistible because Jesus was irresistible. People loved being around Jesus. And we, being the body of Christ now, people should love being around us. But as we talked about last week, 86% of people in Clarksville, Montgomery County don't go to church anywhere. And if you were to ask them, why don't you go to church? This would be their response, something like this. Church? Well, church is for church people. Church is for church people. If you ask the average person, they're going to, anywhere in the community, church is for church people. And I'm not a churched person, so that's really not for me. Church is for church people. That's what people believe. And really, it ain't right. Because I don't believe that church is for church people. Because if that was true, if church was for church people, then that means Christianity is for church people. And that means that Jesus Christ came to be with church people and there wasn't even a church yet. You following that? What did Jesus say? He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Not found, lost. I do not believe church is for church people. Now, I'm not saying church people can't come to church. Of course, they can. We're here. I'm here. But unchurched people should be able to come and say, you know what? I didn't understand it. I didn't even really like the music. I didn't understand. But you know what? I, I, I didn't even really understand what the pastor said sometimes. I don't believe it. I don't buy it. But I'm going to be back. I'm going, to show back. I'm going to show up because those people are some of the finest people I've ever met. They loved on my children. They loved on me. And I, I agreed with them and had more in common with them than people that agree with me 100%. And I don't agree with them at all. But I'm going to be back. Because the local church should be irresistible because Jesus was irresistible. Jesus was irresistible. The problem is, most people believe that, that mindset, church is for church people. Church is for church people. And we live in a country that really does believe and wants to connect with God. You ask the average person, um, especially, uh, and I've seen studies done on Newsweek and People and Time and all this stuff, that do you believe in God? 98% of Americans say, yes, I believe in God. I believe that most people want a relationship with God, but many times it's the church that gets in the way. But I'm going to be honest with you. The whole reason we're here is so that we can start changing people's mindset about the church. Because I believe the church should be irresistible. I believe that the church should not be a stumbling block for people coming to know God, but it should help people to come to know God. That we should help them in their process and not be an impediment. And it drives me crazy that people think that church is for church people. That's so huge. Jesus, even though he was not, sinners were not like Jesus, they liked to be around Jesus. And they should be the same way around us. Because we are Jesus incarnate. We are, that's a big fancy word. It means that we're Jesus now in the flesh. Jesus is up in heaven, but many of us, we're going to be the only Jesus that people see. And they should want to hang out with us, even though they're not like us. 
You know, um, this idea of churched people or church getting in the way of people coming to know God is not anything new. And before you think, well, you're driving me off or I'm a heretic for saying this, everything that I'm getting ready to say is from the Bible because it happened 2,000 years ago. It was the church people that were getting in the way of people wanting to come to know God. If you would, um, turn with me to Acts chapter 15. And we have these little pin lights if you can't see because it's difficult to see in here. Hey, guys, yeah, wonderful. Um, and if you can't see, it's going to be on the screen. But let me, before we go there, I just want to set it up for a little bit. Acts, Jesus has, uh, Jesus has been dead, buried, resurrected. He's in heaven. And now the church starts. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes, and everybody you have 3,000 people come to connect with God and become Christians in one day, and overnight you have this mega church in Jerusalem. And everybody that was coming to know God were Jewish. Everybody, those, all of those 3,000 people that come to know Jesus that day were Jewish. And everybody started thinking, well, you know, in order to be a Christian, you've got to be Jewish. You've got to become Jewish. And um, meanwhile, you have Paul, who are out in this Gentile area, non-Jewish, and he starts telling people, you know what? The only thing you need to know, do is you need to ask Jesus to come into your heart. You need to begin a relationship with God. You don't need to do all this other stuff. You just need to come to God, because God wants to be close to you. Meanwhile, back in Jerusalem, the mega church, this church of 3,000, are starting to make rules that you can't come, you can't become a Christian unless you become Jewish. That was the assumption because everybody that became a Christian was Jewish. They knew the language. They knew the, all of the Old Testament. They even had meeting places called synagogues. And they would come and they would preach the gospel and they all got saved. And everybody started making the assumption that in order to become a Christian, you've got to become Jewish. And it was the insiders, the church people, the Christians, that started making, started making it difficult for the outsiders, the unbelievers, to come get in and come to know God. It's the same problem we have all over churches today in America. I want to read to you Acts chapter 15, verse 1, and it's kind of humorous, but it's also kind of sad at the same thing. Look at this. Acts chapter 15, verses 1. This is nuts. Listen to this. It's in the Bible. It's going to be... Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the people, unless you are circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. That's a pretty high standard for salvation, don't you think? It's like, you know, go ahead, honey. Uh, you go ahead and you go join the church. I've got to pray about this one for a little bit. The entire new members class were all women. You know, and, and the guy sits down and the old dude comes to the front, front pew and he gets a little clipboard. Okay, name, okay, date, date of circumcision. i got to pray about this a little bit more. I mean, their mindset was you had to have an operation before you can become a Christian. An operation. You had to have surgery. Oh my gosh! It is in the Bible. We laugh at this in our Western culture because we're thinking, how weird is that? 
But they were dead serious to them. It was part of their tradition. It was part of their custom. And they said, you know what? It can't be that simple just coming to know God. And it can't be that easy. It can't be that accessible. You have to have an operation. So let's get the rubber gloves on. (laughs) So there's a conflict. Verse 2. This brought Paul and Barnabas, these two people who've been working with Gentiles, um, into sharp debate with them. Well, I guess so. All right? So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some of the believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. When they came to Jerusalem, they were being welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, to whom they reported everything, what God has done through them. So Paul and Barnabas, they show up and they say, Hey, listen, people are coming to know God, and the Holy Spirit's coming all over them without surgery. Amazingly enough. So they start saying what's happening in the world and these Jewish Christians in Jerusalem don't like it one bit. Look at, let's continue, verse 5. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up. Now let's talk, Pharisees, that's kind of cool. These are the people who are always against Jesus. Some of them came to know Christ. That's, that's really neat. So um, these uh, professional religious people, the Pharisees, they stood up and they say this. Look at this, verse 5. The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the entire law of Moses. So they're starting to say, okay, you've got to be circumcised, and now they're going to add something else to it. You've got to obey the entire law of Moses. I mean, Jesus hadn't even finished saying hello to everybody in heaven yet, and it's the church that's bringing stumbling blocks in order for people who cannot know God. It's the church that's doing this. They, their mindset is they've got to change before they join us. They've got to look different. They've got to have surgery. They've got to obey the entire law. They've got to memorize the entire first five books of the Old Testament before they can become a part of us. I know what Jesus said that is just, you just ask and it will be given to you. You just seek and you'll find. That's just too easy. That's too simple. Let's add something. Let's add something. And all of a sudden, there's this huge obstacle for outsiders who want to come to know God, and it's being put up by the church. You see, this isn't a problem 2,000 years later. This was a problem 2,000 years ago. Because it just can't be that accessible. It can't be that simple. And it just can't be that easy. We've got to add, 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 add. It's kind of like it's kind of like this ladder. You see, people want to have a relationship with God, but something's missing. The bottom rungs have been taken out. I I, I can't get up there. I can't be that spiritual. And people are coming, say, and say, you know, people come to church and say, wow, you know, you sure do know a lot about the Bible. I wish I knew that much about the Bible. Boy, you sure do have a lot of faith. I wish I, I, wish I had that much faith. You sure do, um, you, you sure do, God answers your prayers, and I wish God answered my prayers that way. Uh, this is uh, such a big commitment. It, I can't get up there because there's, you've taken all the rungs out of the ladder. Is there any smaller steps, baby steps? 
No. Well, I guess the church isn't for me. Um, I just, I can't do that. I'm not that spiritual. I'm not that disciplined. I don't know enough. I don't have the right clothes. I don't know the right lingo. So I guess the church is not for me. I guess church is for churched people. So I, I want to have a relationship with God. I want to connect with God, but I can't do it with the church. So I guess I'm going to figure this God thing out on my own. And the Pharisees are going, yep, you sure must. Uh, you have to have circumcision. You have to obey the entire law. You've got to memorize this. And then after you th- do that, we might just pull you up to our level. Let's continue reading. Verse 7. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. He says, Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he, that he accepted them by giving them the Holy Spirit to them, just as He did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for He purified their hearts by faith. Now, why do you try to test God by putting on the hearts and the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither us nor our forefathers have been able to bear. Peter says, if you make it difficult for people to come to know God, if you make it difficult for outsiders who want to become insiders and wants to connect with God, if you make it difficult for the lost to be found, then you are testing God. Which means, being translated, you're working against God. You are working against God. And hear me, when you work against God, who loses? You're right, because God ain't going to lose. You are testing God. Well, what's God doing? God says, well, let me explain it to you through my son Jesus. Jesus, tell him what we're doing. Jesus says, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. And the Jerusalem church saying, well, we've come here to protect us who are found. Um, And we can't put all the rungs on the bottom ladder because everybody would be able to get up there then. And it's going to be too crowded. And people are going to mess up our carpet. And they're going to do all this stuff. And, and, and you've got to do this, this, and you've got to jump so high, you've got to do 25 push-ups. And when you do all that, then you just might be able to get up there. But until that time, and God says no. Peter says no. Peter says, we've not been able to keep the law. You're wanting to put the law on them, and we've not even been able to keep it. <laughs> Peter says, Fred, have you kept the law perfectly? Me, Fred? Yeah, you, Fred. Have you kept the law perfectly? No. What about you, James? Have you been able to keep the law your entire life? No. No. Frank, Frank, you remember that time when your 15-year-old son, you know, had that issue, that incident, and the law said that we were were supposed to kill him and stone him? You know that the intersection and that chariot in the intersection and, and it was his fault and the lady got hurt and it, you know that we opened up the, the law and it says you know, we're supposed to kill him. He had a ba- such a bad attitude. And you know that we didn't stone him? You remember that? Yeah. Are you glad that we didn't stone him? Yeah. So you're mean to tell me you can't do it and we expect 
outsiders, Gentiles, to be able to do stuff that we've not been able to do. Well, I guess they've just never thought about it that way before. You know? So they're scratching their head. It's a burden. That's what the law is. It is a burden. And none of us can keep it. In fact, only one person has been able to keep it. And that's Jesus. Jesus kept it so that you wouldn't have to keep it. Because how we come to know God before Jesus was through the law. And Jesus says, I have come to complete the law so that you can have a relationship with me. So, verse 11, Peter continues and wraps up, No, we believe that it is through grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved, just as they are. You ain't got to have surgery. You don't have to memorize the entire first five books of Moses. And he, and he finishes his speech, and James stands up. And James says something here that almost two years ago, I wrote it down and I put it on my, on my desk. And, I, and, and, and it, this is my heartbeat, y'all. This is my passion. This rocked my world two years ago. And I hope it rocks your world today. James gets up and he says in verse 19, this is what I want one church to be about. Listen to this. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Well, there's an observation. It is my observation that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. We should not make it difficult for people who are wanting a relationship with God. We should not make it difficult for people who are wanting a relationship with God. We are to put the bottom rungs in the ladder so that everyone can be able to come and have a relationship with Jesus. So that everyone, like Zacchaeus, somebody who was so messed up, that somebody like Zacchaeus could come and have a relationship with God. That children can come and have a relationship with God. That a woman who doesn't just have a reputation, a woman who's caught in the very act of adultery, can have a relationship with God. And Matthew... That Matthew, a tax collector, nobody likes tax collectors, amen. That somebody like Matthew can not only have a relationship with God, but we're going to let him write a book of the Bible. We're going to call it Matthew. That Matthew can have a relationship with God. And we put all of the rungs on the ladder so that everyone can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Everyone. It has to be easy and accessible. Easy and accessible. Easy and accessible. That's what the gospel is. Easy and accessible. And some of you are thinking, it can't be that easy. Well, you know what? It is for you. It wasn't for Jesus. But it is easy for you, and it is accessible for you. You have to believe. You don't have to have an operation. You don't have to give a certain amount to a church. You don't have to buy a suit. You don't have to speak in old English with a lot of vowels. You can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's easy and accessible. Easy and accessible. Easy and accessible. Here at One Church, our commitment 
to God first and to you second, is that we will always have all of the rungs in the ladder. Always. Because the tendency is to want to start taking them up. We're committed to keeping them all in there. In this environment that we talked about, this four-year environment, everybody's invited. Everybody is included. We want to be real and we want to be welcoming. And this is what I'm going to challenge you to do as we end and as we close. As you leave, each and every one of you are going to get a magnet that has Acts 15, 19 on it so that you can keep it in front of you. So that you can be reminded why we're here. Every time you look at this, I want you to think of two words. The first is invest. Everybody say that word, invest. I want you to think about investing in the lives of people who do not have a relationship with God. There's 86% of people here in this community that do not, have not connected with God through the local church. Many of them have been to church, and that's the reason why they don't go to church. And we are asking you to invest in their lives. And it's going to get messy because they're not like you and they're not like us. Many of them still talk normal. Many of them still, um, they're still struggling with stuff and we just have it all together, don't we? I'm asking you to get down and dirty with people who are down and dirty because all of us have been down and dirty. All of us. And I'm asking you to invest in teachers that, in your school, of your children's school, that may not have a relationship with Christ. I'm asking you to invest in people on your ball team that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm asking you to invest in people and spend time with people and hang out with people who do not hang out with the average church crowd because that's what Jesus did. They liked Him, but they were nothing like Him. I want you to invest in their life and earn the right to be heard. And secondly... The next word is another I word. It's invite. Invest and invite. Everybody say that. Invest and invite. The second thing, I want you to invite them to one church. I promise you if you do, if you invite them, it is our commitment for us to always have all the rungs in the ladder, to never pull them up, and to have an environment, this four-year environment, where everybody is invited. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much that your mission was to seek and to save that which was lost. Because that has been me. I have been lost. I have messed up. I've screwed up with my life. And Lord, you did not come for the churched people, perfect people, because there is no perfect people. There's only sinners. There's only people who struggle to keep the pieces together. And the great thing about you, God, is that you're the picture on the box that we can show us where the pieces can fit. I ask for this year, 2008, Lord, that you would allow us to invest in outsiders, invest in people who do not have a relationship with you, and Lord, that you would give us the privilege and the honor of inviting them of being Jesus to them. This is what we ask. You're awesome God, and we love you. In Jesus' name.